dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the Season podcast. Season 2 remix. Musical the movie the podcast. <laughs> 2024. Season 2. Wow, what a hot remix of our theme that was. That's the Season the 2 remix. The boys are back. <laughs> the boys are back. Welcome to Season 2 of Musical the movie the podcast. What's been up, Steph? Hi. Um, oh, not much. I left, like, all kinds of body parts in the last year. <laughs> yeah, you lost some weight, I understand. About five inches yeah, about, of uh, uh, bowel. about six inches of bowel. <laughs> yeah. um, and sorry, everyone. We we had a kind of sudden a sudden departure. Yeah, here's um, what happened. Our, our next episode, our, back in August, was supposed to be on Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. And we were on our way home from Memphis, Tennessee, to record that episode. When all of a sudden we had a terrible wreck on the highway uh, that put Steph in the hospital for about a week. And, yeah, it was uh, bad. Um, it, was, it was bad. So naturally we went away for a while, but now we're we're back, bitch. Can I say it? Yeah, we're back, bitch. <laughs> I think that's the one you get, you get to say it this time. You get a pass. Okay, good, good, good. That was that was my. I get uh, our our other one of our guests who's coming in on this episode tells me I get three a year. Ooh, ooh and, and I think okay, I just used is. two of them back to back, so that's a problem. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's January. <laughs> so it is a problem. But so we knew when we were coming back, we couldn't come back and kick off season two with Tenacious D in the pick of destiny. Like what don't guys don't, D heads, Look, don't worry. We'll get to it. It's a journey that we're still on. Frankly, yeah. I like to think of our accident as like literally something that happened while we were mirroring this quest mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're still on For our own pick of destiny. But yeah. We'll talk about that uh, when we when we come back to that movie. We knew we wanted to kick off season two with a killer, and so, and what's the word, Steph? What's the word? <laughs> do you hear it? I, I'm listening. Do 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 do. Is it That's grease? the sound of, of grease is the word. <laughs> okay, grease is the word. Grease is the word. Every time every time they want to punctuate something in this movie, there's like some guy in a studio with a bass guitar who's like, I got it. I know I just know. the thing. It's He later went on to score all of Seinfeld. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> exactly. Boom, 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 boom. And so, it's uh, yeah. We, it's grease. Uh, I guess, Steph, it's, it's a familiar question that I'll ask you. Um, do you fucks with grease? Okay. Like, yeah, obviously, but also, did I? I, (laughs) we, I, this is another entry in the movies I don't remember not knowing category. Um, I, I'm gonna put myself, like, solidly sub seven years old the first time I see it. Right. And there are bits of this movie that are in me, Mm -hmm. like, that are just what I, but what I learned um, in rewatching it, which I rewatched it uh, in like maybe 2017 um, for the first time in like 15 years. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's a, it's a lot rapier than I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then you and I watched it last year when you were working on a project that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there are like some fun bits. But like, I swear to God, I had never heard any dialogue in this movie until <laughs> that happened. So like, yeah, it both lives in me and is totally a stranger. And I... It lives in you and is is. totally a stranger. That's the most poetic way anyone has (laughs) ever described Grease, the film. (laughs) 
That's a, no, that's a that's a great way to describe it too. It's it's I get to use one of my favorite words here, Steph. It's, it was ubiquitous. It was so ubiquitous Ooh. when I was a kid that like mm-hmm. I can't remember the first time I saw it or like remember having to become aware of it because it was just always sort of there. You know, I can yeah. remember watching it. You know, as a kid, like you know, I was hanging out. My mom had a had a coworker named Jeff, and he had a niece named Tristy. And I went and spent spent the weekend with Tristy because we were both seven years old. And what do we watch? We watch Grease and the live action Beauty and the Beast. Now I'm not talking about Emma Watson. I'm talking about Ron Perlman, live action Beauty and the Beast <laughs> television show. And, Ooh, uh, woof. and so uh, yeah, I know it was it was not a good show. Uh, and Linda Hamilton also. I, I don't know why I had to why I Ron Perlman as the banner <laughs> name of that. Um. But uh, yeah, and so it, it was just always there. And I, I, I really don't think it was until I was working on that project in, in 2021 that I like gave it um, an older man's watch. <laughs> I, gave, yeah. I gave it an, an adult's watch, you know what I mean? And, and, um, and so that's, that's sort of the eye that I have now still as we've continued to watch this over the past couple of days um and and i'll get into that more in the movie but yeah in terms of my relationship to it like my mom took me to see a production of it when i was really like like eighth grade oh something you didn't mention your sister was in it right yeah and i even as you said that i realized that i don't think i saw my sister be in it but she was in a middle school production (laughs) which is again look at this stuff and like every joke is about a gangbang like what did they how did they change that for children um, but she played Marty in a middle school production and, um, it must've been like, you know, the performances during seventh period or something. I don't remember seeing it. I, lo- I would love to see your sister Maddie as Marty, the high schooler, um, who gets sexually preyed upon by a DJ, <laughs> an adult uh-huh. DJ, who's probably also played by a middle schooler. <laughs> like she I did... bet that really rang true in the, in the yeah. middle school version. She's not here to to defend herself, but she did go on to kind of get typecast as a slut throughout her like period of high school theater. Um, so you, I, you, I do you cut off for a second. Like I want to make sure you, you said what I thought you said as a slut. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> well, and so what are some other roles that that slut Maddie got typecast in? Um, in Much Ado About Nothing, she was Margaret, who is the one who, like, makes out with Claudio and then is mistaken, and that's, like, what triggers that plot. Okay. Um, in Beauty and the Beast, she was the feather duster. Oh, that's definitely the sluttiest part of Beauty and the Beast. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> without question. And then in, um, Hamlet, she pl- she played, um, Rosencrantz, which doesn't seem slutty until you get to one part. There's a line where they're like, someone is like calling for them to come in and they say, Ho, Guildenstern. And both of them walked in. And so, like, her name was just Ho. Okay, that's a I great see, story. I that's see. definitely so making the final. So, in your mind, they were calling your sister a Ho in, in that production mind. of Hamlet. Oh, in everyone's mind. Okay. No, not only is that making the podcast, I'm I'm moving it so it's the first thing we say. <laughs> um, well, we we have two guests here, uh, two guests who like we we we've never talked about any other two people for this episode as, as far back as like a year and a half ago, which is kind of wild because like in a lot of ways that I think we'll talk about, this is like the proto musical. This right. is like the standard bearer music movie musical, and I. I think it's so funny that something that is so ubiquitous, to use your vocabulary word, um, like had such a clear, never, never had any question. Um, what if I bring on first uh, 
and you know, we typically are, are seasons. We like to have one person from the world of comedy, one person from the world of theater. We have two people from the world of comedy today, although one of them at least uh, has done her fair share of theater. Uh, and the other one is uh, an actress of note. Uh, so who's to say, you know what I mean? Um, so why don't I introduce the one who, uh, I'm going to slot into the comedy spot, even though they're both fan, <laughs> they're both two of this nation's, uh, great touring comedians. Uh, and that's, uh, she's a, a, a great comedian out of the Chicago area. Uh, her album, Mother Fucker, there's a period in it, uh, is available on Spotify and everywhere you hear comedy albums. One of my favorite comedians in the country, Kristen Toomey is here. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Hello. Hi, Welcome. guys. Happy Can't New to Year talk to you. About this. Uh, and why don't yes. you introduce our other guest? We have also one of this nation's finest touring comics. She is originally from South Carolina, I'm pretty right. sure. And uh, now just running all over Louisville, Kentucky. She is Andy's ex girlfriend. And oh, the weirdest thing that. is okay. that it's not weird for any of us. Okay. It's Mandy McKelvey. Hi. <laughs> We're I just wanted here. to get it in out of the way. That's not like, <laughs> importantly, that's not like part of her bio. <laughs> no, I, I understand she still has MC's intro her with that credit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, she it's survived those two years. No, we're going to get into it because it informed uh, the song that, that we're going to hear at the end of this episode. But um, that that's all. Well, but, go ahead. We, t- we talked about there. Both of you were just like instantly like, yes, I want to talk about Greece. Let's start with yeah. Mandy. Tell me about your do you, tell me about how you fucks with Greece. I I hate it. <laughs> I, I mean, I always did. I never got it. And when we were going to do Roast the Musical it was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I think it's just so, so not fun. And the Dang songs it. are bad and <laughs> I hate it. And I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to be fucking my fair lady. You know, like I wanted to, I wanted to do Sing It in the Rain. I wanted to do Beauty and the Beast. And then Andy was like, no, you have to do <laughs> you hate it so much that is often, then, that's a theme in the roast is like mandy i know you don't want to do the avengers roast but we need you on the avengers roast because you hate marvel i hate and like that's why we need your voice on that roast <laughs> someday you'll get to celebrate something <laughs> but you know what i think it all worked out because obviously my australian accent is <laughs> beautiful the premiere uh-huh now you know i don't i'm not a dialect coach but obviously (laughs) uh and then to me what about you when did you do like do you remember when you first saw this movie even i mean this movie and this play were such a big part of my life it's like a i feel like it's such a when i try and think about the beginning of it i honestly can't but i remember being in an argument at the bus stop like going to first I was probably going to kindergarten or first grade and I got into an argument with like a fifth grader because I was I thought it really was filmed in the 50s at that point (laughs) and they were telling me like no and I was like furious I mean I remember getting on the bus like almost in tears just like why are you lying about Mm -hmm. Greece (laughs) you know like my Greece I I watched it every day that VCR tape was like just burned through. I had the vinyl soundtrack and I would put it on and I would act out 
these dance numbers on my day bed. And the first time I ever punched someone was during Greece. I was like seven and I was watching it. I would watch it every day after school. And my mom babysat these kids and I would like want my alone solitude time to really get in there again. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and this guy, RZ, I remember his full name. He, while I was watching it, he came up and he punched or pinched my butt and I turned around and I punched him. And then I just went right back to watching the movie. I didn't say anything. (laughs) And he ran up and like told my mom and she was like, well, don't touch her. But you know, (laughs) it didn't even interrupt my movie watching at all. So I've gone to see it, you know, I feel like a tie to it because now I know as an adult that it was, you know, based on Taft High School in Chicago, where mm-hmm. I'm from. And I've seen it live maybe four times as recently as last year. I took my mom on Mother's Day. Um, wow. And it was, you know, it's, I mean, it's cringy. And I had no idea that they were saying pussy wagon. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> This all of that went right over my head as a kid, you know. Yeah, it's like when you see when you see a five year old now like singing like a a, like you know WAP or whatever, and you're and and they're like they're just maybe singing that, but it's like they don't know. They honestly don't know what it is. Just like we didn't know about Pussy Wagon, you know. Yeah, the innocence of it, you know. It's just like, um, but yeah, it's to your point, Stephanie. Like when I watched these lyrics. You know, now they've changed the lyrics when you watch it live in the theater, uh, at least the Jury Lane production changed a lot of the lyrics and the like, did she put up a fight? All that uh-huh. stuff was gone. Oh, really? Did yeah, she put up they... a fight is almost one of the least problematic lines in this play to me. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but something about it has always just really captivated me and made, I've always watched it through the eyes of a kid, you know, even like yeah. when they came out with the production my mom was like actually concerned about me because they have like the bad version of the grease mobile or whatever. Uh They do the whole number. Okay. And then the lights come up and it's like this red, red, nice car. And I'm like, how do they do that? And my mom, (laughs) my mom, my mom was like, they turned it around. (laughs) It's just the other, it's the other side. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Um, so yeah, there's no know. reason you would know this because I don't know if they say it in the movie, but uh, the car is called Grease Lightning. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to get too nerdy on you. <laughs> oh, by, that's by saying was... the name of the car that's uh, yeah. the movie Twenty Seven Dead. No, it, no. So you bring up something that I actually didn't know until I started to do my research for today's podcast, which is that yeah, this was a big Chicago thing at first. This was based on Rydell was based on Taft High in Chicago. These guys were. Uh, Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey, who wrote the original musical, they're like part of the Chicago theater scene. Um, and they base it on Taft. They And then it's first, do you know where it was first performed, Kristen? This will blow your mind. The Kingston Mines. I did read that, actually. The now Kingston that Mines, that. which is a, a blues club or like a reggae club in the middle of Wrigleyville where it has no business being. Uh, <laughs> now, isn't it wild? That, and, it, that must have been crazy. I know. I had no idea that there was ever even like a theatrical company there. But Yeah. But that's where Greece was first performed was in the Kingston Mines in February 5th, 1971. Mary Lou Hinner is kind of the only cast member of note. She plays Marty. 
Uh, and she, and uh, by the way, I got that date from her. She said it was February 5th, 1971. <laughs> She's never wrong about a date. Um, Remembers everything. So they move it to, like, the Kings and Minds production, it's bodier, it's, like, more R-rated, it has a shorter mm-hmm. songbook, and it has multiple references to real Chicago landmarks. Like, the opening number is not Summer Nights, it's literally called Foster Beach, because it's about oh. Foster Beach. Nice. Beach. Yeah. Um, I'd want to see that version. Can we get yeah, that version I know. Version I, I found a, an article where a guy from the uh, Chicago Sun-Times who wrote an article in 2009 who was like, give us back our Chicago grease. But like, that's, <laughs> he's, he's the it only was person. Me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, under pen name. Um, so yeah, that like the, a lot of the characters had more Polish-American names, but they sort of got changed. And then there's, there's two Italian names that are left, and that's sort of like the only sort of remnant of it being in Chicago is Marty Maraschino, I think, is one of them. Um, but so these producers, Ken Waisman and Maxine Fox, they see the show in Chicago, and they make a deal to produce it off-Broadway in New York City. Uh, and it starts a test run there, and they're like, oh, this isn't working. Let's change it. The, here, I'm, I'm going to quote Jim Jacobs, who says, when we went to New York, we were told it was necessary to make the characters lovable instead of scaring everybody. The show went from three quarters book and one quarter music to one quarter book and three quarters music. So it really changes when they get off Broadway there. It's interesting that it immediately changes. (laughs) We love it. Change everything about all the characters and then it'll be great because like that, that I think that really comes through in the movie Uh here. (laughs) I guess they were just like, look, these five songs really shine so we can fix it around that, you know? But why was it scary? I, I don't have to think that, that the characters were just like less likable, probably just and more, more real grease, aggressive. Like, yeah, greasy. Yeah, my mom played Rizzo in high school, uh-huh. and she fell off the stage, and she had to get stitches in her eyebrow, so she had to shave her eyebrows. So my mom has drawn on her eyebrows every day of her life wow. due to this this play Dude, really, this wow. runs this runs deep in your it runs <laughs> really deep. this is intense like this is like how trauma is intergenerational yeah um yeah and i never auditioned for it myself but i think i would have rather played sandy than rizzo you know i think of myself more as a sandy you are such to a me, rizzo to me, I, yeah, to oh me the, we, all yeah, three ever... of us almost just jumped down your throat oh i couldn't believe God. i've never met more of a rizzo in my entire life as she barks out in her husky alto <laughs> literally literally well maybe i'm sandy after the carnival then Oh, no. oh, I could see no. that. You're like, I'm slutty Sandy only. <laughs> is this, are you, is this like you trying to let us see like the Kristen inside? Inside. Uh-huh. Yeah. Inside, I'm a Sandy, 100%. Uh-huh. You want a Sandy in the streets, but a Rizzo in the sheets. <laughs> Classically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I've always just identified more with Sandy, but. What about Sandy do you identify with, Timmy? That's a good question. I think it's more of just the, um, the innocence that she had that she needed to put aside to, um, make everyone else happier. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to unpack that when we get into the end of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I like at some point in my notes, I think I, I wrote down, all of these characters are underdeveloped caricatures. And like in my head, it was so that people who are watching it can do the thing that like that like they did with Twilight, 
where it's like there's no actual characterization here and so me the viewer like I get to put whatever I want to on that and so like I get to feel Sandy through Sandy mm-hmm. because like there's not like a lot there she kind of you know she's like and there also not a lot there but like <laughs> we can all want to we can all have like our inner hot cheerleader you know and like pretend that that's part of us too <laughs> That's right. And just like Twilight, they substituted character development for a scene where one of the characters plays baseball. Well, I, th- I don't think of her as like a, a hot cheerleader at all. I think of her character, and maybe this is to your point of like what I project onto it, but I always looked at her and felt resonated with me because she was sort of an outsider. And I think that's mm. why in in that she was pretty, but she was an outsider. And so I resonated with that aspect of it. Like, you know, she was trying to fit in in this new place and the person that she was supposed to have a trust with betrayed her. And that was like, she forgave him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you know I see I mean? it all. I see it all. And I definitely see how like, it's sort of an everyman experience that Sandy goes through where she like comes to a new place, has to like reinvent herself and like figure out how to fit in where she fits in. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, I mean, having, we, we just saw Mean Girls this week, which, which we'll talk more about next week, but um, it's, it does remind, like there's this movie, the first acts of this and the first act of Mean Girls have a lot in common and that a girl comes there from another country and like has to try and fit in with all these girls that wear pink at their lunch table. And, yes. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's like, it is like kind of a universal experience, experience the base of it. I do, I do think that's true. Yeah. And also, I think there was some really good points about, um, you know, the Rizzo character, I think is pretty interesting, because I think a lot of people can um, resonate with that and like the slut shaming aspect of it and all mm-hmm. that. Also, Riz is a very popular current term. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Riz, like my kids are like, if you got the Riz or whatever, like charisma. And I'm That's like, well, Rizzo. Part. Oh, I've yeah. never known. Wow. Charisma. So Rizzo was ahead of her time. She's yep. uh she's hot right now. She really is. <laughs> I didn't well, I didn't I, pick I, up till the oh god. Oh no, please. Please. I was just gonna say I, I didn't know that Rizzo wasn't her name. There's like she's like, Will you call me by my first name? And then has to tell Kaniki that her first name is Betty. And I was like, It's not Rizzo. That's what is why do they call her Rizzo? <laughs> That's her last name. Okay, got it. Yeah. No, but she I cool. love well, and that's but that was like the hopeful part of it for me that like at like a I, I maybe as like a thirty seven year old woman could go to high school and be the coolest <laughs> bitch there because <laughs> Doctor Channing is so fucking old in that movie yeah. that it really There's, threw me in the um they all are old like cartoon they're they're all so they all just (laughs) like don't look like high schoolers and then they're very confusing yeah so confusing for me as a teenager because i had you know like baby fat and acne and i was just like i don't i don't understand why i'm not why i'm not in my like corporate lady body yet like, why Honestly, am I not? the biggest betrayal of casting to me is Sonny. Sonny is the one who looks like he oh. is Paul Reiser's brother. I mean, and yes. he, like, he has like the full like 35 year old uh-huh. neck drop that we all get yes. when we turn 35. Like, Our jowls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? Honestly, not to be like so diehard defending, but I will say that 
I, as an adult now, as a child, you of course want to see people that are relatively close to the age of the teens, but I'm uncomfortable when I'm watching an, a TV or movie. Yes. I don't watch that shit because I'm like, I don't want to see teens making out and fucking like, and doing drugs. (laughs) Like I don't, that's fucking weird. And it's weird that adults watch that to me. So I'm like, I would rather suspend my disbelief in like, Oh, okay. They're, you know, they're of adult age where it's not uncomfortable watching, uh, you know, I don't even know their names, but whoever the actors are, they're like yeah. 16, 17 yeah. making out. I don't want to no, watch that. That's why I don't have TikTok. I don't want to. <laughs> yes. I don't want to watch children yes. do anything. I, I know. I just deleted my TikTok because I watched a 20 year old eat cornstarch for money. <laughs> Crazy. I love that thing. you had to delete your whole account. <laughs> you were like, no, this is too far. Uh, I was like, I am not supporting this. I am not. Between no, this like... and the Chinese government, I'm out. <laughs> I think that's a great point, too. It's it's like, there are things where it doesn't, like Dear Evan Hansen, where he doesn't fuck in the whole thing. He should have looked younger. He's supposed to be a little twerp with a broken yeah. arm. And like, but like, you know, something like this where they're very sexually active. Yeah, I don't mind that they look 25 to 33. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and actually here, I have some more, I have some more info about the casting. Um, let me get there. Uh, so the, the, all I want to say about the stage version before we get to the movie is that it's choreographed by Patricia, Patricia Birch, who choreographed the movie and then directs Grease 2. You're a Grease 2 fan, right, me as well? I love it. Okay. We will I... see you here. Yeah, we'll I see can... you here. <laughs> like, I... literally, the the number one thing I was excited about for talking about Grease is that it clears the way for us to talk about Grease 2. But so basically the show, even though it's technically geographically off-Broadway, it, it somehow falls into eligibility for the Tonys, and so it gets seven Tony nominations, including Barry Bostwick is playing the lead. He's a... He's, uh, 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 Good you, Barry. Danny Zuko. Danny. And he's the lead in Rocky Horror Picture Show, if you don't know. He was the mayor on Spin City. He's he's it's, he's a very square guy, so I'm sort of surprised to see. I would love to see what that was like. Um, <clears throat> so then it's 1978, and this is adapted into a feature film by director uh, Randall Kleiser and producers Robert Stigwood and Alan Carr. Okay, we're going to hear uh, all about their decisions as I talk about this. And Randall Kleiser is the one who decides to take it from a more urban Chicago setting to more of a, like a sub suburban everywhere setting. Um, John Travolta had worked with Stigwood on Saturday Night Fever, and um, he had also played duty in a touring production of Grease. Uh, but as part of a three-picture sh- three deal he had with Stigwood Pictures, he's given the lead role after Henry Winkler turns it down. Can you believe that? I was just reading that Henry Winkler turns it down because he doesn't want to be typecast. And yeah. just what, a, what an alternate world we could have had with a Henry Winkler, Danny. Would he have just been a yeah. racer and everything? Yeah. Um, Including Arrested Development. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Fisher was considered for Sandy, but they never asked her because they didn't know if she could sing. Marie Osmond almost takes the role of Sandy, but then she like keeps reading all the way to the end and sees that Sandy, Sandy transforms into a rebel and she turns it down. Uh, <laughs> she got an image god yeah. lord that one good god she what turned it down Osmond. to do the the classic film <laughs> go in coconuts wait have you guys heard i'm sorry to interrupt but have you heard this conspiracy theory that the movie they're all dead in the movie from the beginning no. 
So, okay. Like, and that's why the car happened? Tell me. This is a mind fuck. Okay. I heard this during the pandemic and it was like, it like changed my whole life for a while. I was spiral. <laughs> it put me into a spiral. But that Sandy and Danny drowned on the beach at the beginning. That's why they're all older. That's why they're in the, in the high school. And it's really like this purgatory type situation is the high school experience. And then when she, then they fly off in the car together at the end, because if you listen to the lyrics, she says like, um, my faith is justified or something like, uh, you're the one that I want. Like one of the lyrics is like, which like, you know, Christians believe like you're justified by your faith. Uh So it's like, then like, that's all it takes no matter what. And then they fly up in the car and he like looks back, like, you know, like if you get married, so horny. Anyway, it's a it's a theory. I don't know. I love this. It's the only is the only explanation for the flying car. Yeah, the it's flying the car only acceptable because it's I mean, that they take off flying and it's so funny and she turns around and waves and like you could almost view that as a metaphor. But then there's another and I don't know why this is what puts it over the top for me. There's another shot of the clouds. There's like a handheld shot of clouds that implies that they. Yeah, actually are in the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's what the credits roll over. It's well, weird. and then like the, they're in heaven. Yeah. And the beauty school dropout scene with Frankie mm-hmm. Avalon coming down. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty like you can look it up. It's a pretty well-known conspiracy theory. Right. We're going to keep that in mind as we go through the plot of this movie. I want you to talk about Olivia Newton-John and yeah. like what she, how, like what she does as she joins. So she, so producer Alan Carr meets her at a party. This is why I always say like, you can't be upset when you don't get a part or when you don't get on a show because you know, have no idea how people are getting things. And Olivia Newton-John gets grease at a party. Just my daily reminder, David Boreanaz was discovered walking his dog. Uh, <laughs> and so she meets this guy at a party and has her screen test. And this is, I don't know where she gets the balls to do this, but she says, I'll do it for less money if you will let me rewrite the script. And, um, and which included changing her characters to an Australian character so that she didn't have to do an American accent <laughs> and me. making her less passive. <laughs> um, so yeah, and they let her do it. Um, Rizzo, Lucy Arnaz auditions for Rizzo. Lucy is the daughter of Desi and Lucille Ball. And she was allegedly dropped from consideration when her mother, Lucille Ball, called Paramount Pictures and said, I used to own that studio. My daughter's not doing a screen test. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so instead, the part goes to Stocker Channing, who is a talent client of Carr. He's like not only producer, but he's an agent as well. And Stockard is one of his clients Hmm. and so she gets the part she's 33 she's the oldest cast member to play a high school student in the movie and uh but i mean honestly nobody could play that better in my opinion no so she there's there's like three or four star performances in this movie and she is one of them yeah like danny (laughs) danny and sandy are both those two have so much charisma stalker channing almost steals the movie from them she has so much charisma yes yeah was this Travolta's one of his first things. Kind of, yeah, so he Saturday Night he Fever. Done? Saturday Night Fever is the same year. Um, and Which so he, one came came out first? 
Uh, I think Saturday Night Fever gets made first, and like that's part of why he gets this. But I, okay, it might not have been like out. Well, like, he's, it might a, he's have also been... on, he's on Welcome Back, Cotter at the time too. Oh, okay, yeah. So he, but, yeah. So but that's part how... of it is the dancing from Saturday Night Fever, right? Mm-hmm. Is like he. Okay. I, I remember it as like a Julie Andrews situation where like okay. someone like sees the movie before everyone else does, and is like, "We're locking this shit in." All right, because like even though I you know, hated it as a kid because that movie just, I, I, but I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. So any movie that I did not feel was mm. realistic <laughs> would give me like so much anxiety. And I would be like, no, no, fuck this, fuck <laughs> this, fuck this. Um, and I would just reject it. Everything that didn't feel real. Like I didn't like the never ending story. Cause I was like, those aren't real. I can't have <laughs> like a big white dog. Then don't show me one. If I can't Is have there- it, don't show it to me. Is it like, is it, are, is part of you worried that like someone is going to make you do a choreographed group dance was, in a cafeteria someday? It was, it was the, you know what? It's like anything where there's like a group of cool people and out, like I, that would give me massive secondhand anxiety. So I was just like, I didn't want to watch it because it was like watching like a, it, it's like, why would I want to watch these really uncomfortable things? So mm-hmm. when there's like cool people and not cool people. I would get really uncomfortable and yeah. I wouldn't want to watch it as a kid. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like I just felt like secondhand embarrassment or concern or whatever. I would be like, no, that sucks. That hurts. That's embarrassing. But like, so I, I hated it as a kid, but then when Andy made me watch it again so that we could do the roast and I saw it for the first time as an adult, even though I s- still hated it, I was like the entire movie. I was like, John Travolta is such a fucking star. Mm-hmm. Like every single frame that that every single time that camera is on him, I'm like, imagine, like imagine being the human who finds <laughs> that kid and brings that kid in and is like, I may do this. Look at this kid we found. <laughs> and then, yeah. I mean, the camera, like it's kind of nuts. Like yeah. the, the camera eats him up he's gorgeous i think i forgot he was gorgeous because he's such a weirdo mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gorgeous like he doesn't even look real he looks like somebody sculpted him uh-huh. out with his big blue eyes and his shiny look at his eyelashes and his fucking dimple chin I, and I, li- I literally chin. literally no, asked yes. out loud if that if that dimple was real when i watched <laughs> it last night it's crazy. And then he's dancing around and he's so good. And it's like, and it's weird because it's like he's hyper masculine, but he's dancing his ass off. The way he uses his hips is like central to the character. And I swear <laughs> it's also like the men in this movie are the people who have and use their hips. And every girl is like, I mean, I guess not the pink ladies are sort of the exception to this, but like, these boys and their hips Incredible. they're popping constantly <laughs> Incredible. and they're and it's supposed to be hyper masculine that they're fucking yeah. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and like they're just so, like gyrating it's so uh, i that i was obs- i was i was just the whole time i was watching i was like look at this kid yeah like and it came yeah. out in 78 which is the year i was born and it's just i i don't I think i don't identify with a lot of what was going on when i was born like the bgs were the only thing that mattered Mm-hmm. and it was all just like and it was a uh, every every decade 
develops intense nostalgia for the decade 20 years before mm-hmm. so like you know like right now you know kids are obviously obsessed with the starting to become obsessed with the early aughts again mm-hmm. we're recently obsessed with the 90s but then i was like y'all i I was a teenager in the nineties. We were doing everything that happened in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just copying the seventies cause we were copying that in the nineties. And then <laughs> now, but the seventies appeared to be obsessed with the fifties. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think part of it is that these filmmakers grow up in the fifties and then they grow up and they're making movies okay. now. So then we get, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like uh, American graffiti or Greece okay. and all this stuff that's obsessed with the greaser culture. Cause they're like, man, that was a weird time that we grew up in. Let's make yeah. a movie about it. You know? Yeah. And, well, I just love, I think it would be, I, th- I almost think it's a cop out now that they make, uh, they make a movies in a in another time because even the people making movies prefer to set it in a time when there was not the internet <laughs> so that the, yeah. so that the people don't know where each other are all the time where they're it's misconnections they can't find each other they are not they don't have any technology that will date the movie yeah and it's they won't they will immediately set something in a time just so they have something to work with where people can't always be telling each other everything every second and can't yeah. always be together. And uh, I miss it too. People have <laughs> way too much access to me. I know. There was a point in this movie where uh, Jan, was was doing the, this Jan was doing the <laughs> Ipana uh, toothbrush commercial next to the TV, which is genuinely to me one of the funniest parts of the movie. And uh, and I was just like, man, why is no one filming her for TikTok? You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I was like, cause that's like, I was like, if she was doing that now, like it wouldn't, she wouldn't even be able to do it or if she, it would have already been on TikTok before she even did it for her friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, Jeff Conaway, who's, he, he plays Kaniki, he had played Danny Zuko on Broadway. And okay. so he sort of steps down into Kaniki here and the real bitch about it too. And excuse me, that's the third time this year that I use that word. And so that's You're all, out. that's all of them Sorry. for the year. Um, is that Kaniki's number in the play is Grease Lightning. And John Travolta uses his sort of star power and influence to be like, no, I want that song. And Jeff Conaway just kind of has to go along with it. He refuses it first, but then he just relents. Um, And then that's why he doesn't have a solo in the movie and why Travolta gets... And Travolta also, I think, was starting to feel pressure because uh, uh, Olivia Newton-John had sort of worked her way into getting two solos for the movie mm. and like adding well, they songs. could have left out uh hopelessly whatever oh interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear you say that yeah that's the one i would have to fast forward through every day wow to cheer up charlie yeah and you know what i feel like her putting that piece of paper it always bothered me as a why? kid why she, yes. she put the piece of paper in in the, in the pool in the pool and now as an adult watching it i'm like is this like symbolizing masturbation <laughs> <laughs> Just like she's this is like she's, she's rubbing it. Her yeah. love letter is thinking about her him while she's masturbating. She's rubbing a, this letter in a circle. She's rubbing her own kitty pool. <laughs> wow. No, you're, but you're really that's that's a better theory than the death theory, honestly. <laughs> oh, that song is terrible. I it's so awful. that song that song is the that only song. Oscar nomination that this movie gets. It gets oh, what? I know. I know. It's, it's nominated for best original song because uh she wanted the song, like she basically was like, "No, I need a song. I need a solo here." And so that song is not written by the writers of the musical. It's written by her producer, a guy named John Farrar, and uh, he writes Very that bad. song for her. And 
she, as soon as she as soon as we watched her sing it yesterday, I said to Steph, "What a what a like star performance of such a boring shit song. Like it is only yes. through the power of ONJ that it is watchable at all. And it's not. They don't like. There's no choreography. They're not doing like the his face in the water when she's rubbing oh. it off is like the only <laughs> film trick they use. It's rubbing just. It off. It's boring. It's yeah. so boring. It was always such a downer watching it. And I mean, I love her, but it just, it, you can tell it's like, I didn't know it was written by other people, but it totally makes sense because it just yeah. doesn't fit. It's yeah. uh, It stands out in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because like, uh, Beauty School Dropout is a slow number, but it's not like boring like that is, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. And I mean, anything with bubblegum bubbles, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. Um, <laughs> Also, Jamie Donnelly, she plays she plays Jan, and she was the only cast member to reprise her role from the Broadway show. But uh, her hair had begun to gray by this point, so they had to color it in every morning with black crayons. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible time to be alive. Oh, saying girl. Can we talk about uh, how yeah, Jan same. is supposed to be the fat one, and this girl <laughs> oh. who's playing Jan is literally the same size of all of the rest of them, and so they just, like, put her in a sweatshirt? Yeah. <laughs> She's just in a baggy sweatshirt. But then when she's in a like nice dress at the end of the movie, you're just like, oh, she's teeny. I yeah, I I love that in movies though, because it's the only way that I can explain to women now how rough it used to be. Yes. Yes. Like like, I get like I always get in trouble for like saying that somebody's outfit looks bad or is ill-fitting on them. And I can't stop doing it. And people always boo me on stage when I say it (laughs) because they think I'm body shaming. But I'm like, no, your body's not gross. Your outfit's gross on your body. (laughs) And but I try to explain to them. I'm like, you're like, you understand, like Kate Winslet was considered Shamu Mm -hmm. in Titanic. Like woman who is so hot and yes. just like it looks she yes. looked exactly like Kate Winslet looks like yes. the most stunning and I try to explain to people I'm like no no you don't understand like I like I'm like go watch your fucking love actually and let them call that stunning girl huge yeah. ass mm-hmm. guys the size of tree yeah. trunks and I'm like a line yes. I can pull out of my yeah. head because like yes I'm like searing. I I I was the fat friend my, uh, my whole life and I was this size and I was <laughs> the fat girl I was like the fat friend because I had some some width of hip yeah and like they do not believe me they're just and I, I love these movies because I think they put like a time stamp on mm-hmm. you have no fucking clue that's it's, I really I well there's a line early where so, so Kaniki's talking about some woman and I think Sunny says where her jugs bigger or jugs as big as <laughs> this girl and Kaniki's like no one's jugs are as big as her and I'm like looking around and I'm like Annette, no Annette, no no one not I'm like no one has jugs in this movie this is before you were allowed to have jugs in a movie every everyone has seventies <laughs> boobs in this movie and I, I was like really thinking about it when he said that and I was like man Kate Winslet is like the first leading woman I can think of that had boobs I think. And they were moderate jugs. They well, were moderate jugs. They had they to were... fit in that picture. Yeah. So they couldn't be too big. I was smaller in 1997, so they seemed bigger. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, Elvis Presley was considered for the role of the teen angel, but did not make it to the pre- In fact, a weird thing I learned is that on the day they're filming the song Sandra D and uh, Rizzo was singing all that stuff about Elvis, you know, don't, you know, get away from me. 
that's the day, the day that they're filming that, that Elvis died. <gasps> Wild, right? Rizzo wow. killed Elvis. Yeah, Rizzo killed Elvis. Rizzo, my gosh. Uh, Donny Osmond, oddly enough, was also in contention for the for Teen Angel uh, really? before they got Frankie Avalon. He would have been good. Yeah, he would have been good, but it's he just so been good. So, and he mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to be uh, slutty at the end, so he would have been able to take it, unlike Marie. <laughs> Marie. So yeah, this movie comes out June 16th, 1978. It's an immediate box office success. Uh, it grosses $8.9 million in 862 theaters in its first weekend. Comes in at number two behind Jaws 2 for the weekend. Oh, wow. uh, and then after 66 days, it had grossed $100 million to become Paramount's second highest grossing film of all time behind The Godfather. And, wow. I know. Wow. Ended its its initial run with a gross of 132.4 million. And then it's reissued the next year. And with that reissue, it overtakes The Godfather and becomes mm-hmm. Paramount's highest grossing film of all time. It overtook The Godfather. Yeah. It's the yes. highest it's the or sorry, it's the second highest selling soundtrack album of 1978, second only to Saturday Night Fever. The BJs, all right. Hopelessly Devoted for You is nominated for Best Original Song, but it loses mm. to Donna Summer's Last Dance, which apparently is from a movie called Thank God It's Friday. And uh, I can't argue oh, with that. Boy. Um, it remains the highest grossing live action musical until 2012 when it's overtaken by Les Miserables. Um, <laughs> wow. Was that 2012? Yeah, Les Miserables, yeah. yeah. Um, I know. And then the only other thing I'll mention here is that... Uh, Earlier, or not earlier this year anymore, last year in April, um, Paramount Plus uh, released Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, a oh prequel series. Did, did you even watch it, Kristen? No. Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> it's got all the characters you want. Rizzo's older sister. Uh, and that's it. And, um, and Terrible. It's the, I, I won't I, watch that. I've never, seen this, I've never seen the sentence before about a streaming series. The series was canceled later that month and removed from Paramount Plus. Oh Did my god! It's yeah. the one thing that I know. It's one of the things that, like, when they're trying to take it for tax losses or whatever, it's one of like you can't well, even watch it now. Yeah, it's just gone, gone. It's just wow. gone. People um, worked wow. hard on that. Shit. Since 2019, they've been saying that a prequel called Summer Lovin' is coming. That's about their summer together, and presumably yeah. ends with their death. Yeah, their death, their brutal <laughs> drowning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so that's officially all the all the pre-production information I have uh, about this movie. And so uh, we can get into sort of talking about it piece by piece. I, I, it opens. I, can, can I, I want to open. I want to right away talk about yeah. the opening, which starts with a chorus singing the song Love is a Mini Splendored Thing uh, from the movie Love is a Mini Splendored Thing. It's a, movie, <laughs> it's a song that won an Oscar for best original song, um, but it's not from this movie. And nope. um, while Danny and Sandy just sort of run around and play grab ass on the beach and look longingly in each other's eyes, that feel like a good. I wrote down for this part. Was this beach montage here the whole time? Because I swear to God, when I watched it as a kid, that's not how this movie started. It started with the cartoon. <laughs> I was just like, did I just like fast forward through it? I don't know. But I hated the yeah, cartoon too. Oh really? So I love the cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. The, so like grease the is the word. Opening. I don't. What I will say now is that I don't understand it. It has nothing to do right. with the rest of the movie. It has it has these like 
mean caricatures for <laughs> the first four and like, like especially for Rizzo they put, they put Rizzo, crow's yeah. feet on Rizzo it's like this dude yeah. is like hey don't you see how old she is yeah but I love that song it, well this yeah. song is the only time in the entire movie that the word grease is said they do it's say the greased lightning later but this is the only time that anyone says grease interesting interesting so it's, it's sort of this cartoon about them getting ready, putting grease in their hair, fixing cars, caricatures. I also, like, in general, as we think about this plot, what I realized is that I think it's more helpful if you think of this movie as, like, taking place in a setting. And that setting is these high school kids and they're, like, there are micro gangs at this high school and everyone <laughs> has a jacket guy. Um, and, like... <laughs> The plot of the movie is sort of just, like, the evolution of their situationship. But, like, all of this is just sort of, like, the space that it happens in as if it's, like, an Archie comic. (laughs) And then everything that we see in the movie is, like, a four or five panel comic strip that's been, like, animated for the talkies. And so, like, the beach is, like, one panel, like, one little comic strip. And then the song is, like, one little comic strip. And then we get another little thing that's, like, all these kids coming back to school for the first time and talking about who they hooked up with over the summer. Like, I almost feel like I I would like it more if they committed to that vignette style the way that, like, a Christmas story does, where you can, like, you can turn on a Christmas story at any point and it's, like, oh, from commercial break to commercial break, it's one sort of story but because they try to give you this arc with Danny and Sandy, but but in fact, the arc is like, they hooked up, they're mad at each other, they're hooking up, they're mad at each other, they're hooking up, they're mad at each other, oh, they hooked up. You know and like, mean? nothing, almost nothing happens to like, make them mad at each other. Yeah. Like, it's just like, they get mad at each other instead of just using their words. Yeah. Which is a lot of movies, I it's guess. It's very, that, that's the, that is very accurate. <laughs> um, <laughs> to high school like the 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 making like making things way worse by just assuming and not uh-huh. speaking and just ruining everything all the time uh that's very accurate but it is infuriating because like they're madly in love with each other on the beach and then me, we cut to high school and they're like can't even talk mm-hmm. but it's like but I don't understand normally when that happens in high school it's like one person's like ashamed of the other one, but they're both hot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would you not want to be like, yeah, I did that. Well, I think it's because I think he's what, and I just, I didn't understand any of this when I, as a child watching it. And so this is my adult interpretation of rewatching it and kind of wondering, cause that stuff always bothered me like the lack of communication mm-hmm. or when they're at the dance and all of a sudden, like the, you know, cha-cha comes in, whatever. But with that, I think it's because, you know, the whole, like, did she put up a fight song is him bragging about his summer where he was like getting laid with this girl, like having all this sex with this girl. And then the girl shows up. And so he's trying to like be cool and like, and she's like super sweet and innocent and like, not like that. And then also like, he's trying to look cool in front of his friends and doesn't want to, you know, be like, I'm in love with you or whatever. And so that I never understood that as a kid. Now, I mean, it's kind of over the top of like a guy trying to be like cool, but 
Yeah, no, but I, so I, I never sort got of, that as sort a kid. I was always like, yeah, why aren't they talking? Like, yeah. why, what's the problem? It's but, like sitcom language almost where like something happens and it's just like, oh, this is just, you just wrote in that a misunderstanding happens, but you didn't actually write what the misunderstanding is. And so they <laughs> yeah. just sort of stand and mumble at each other for a while. And then she's like, what do you mean, Danny? Where's the Danny I met on the beach? Yeah, uh, throws the pom-poms <laughs> yeah. at him. Yeah, but yeah. Your, your read of it makes more sense to me than anything, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, you just talked about Summer Nights, which is our first like in-movie big set number. Um, and I think you we all remember the Grease Mega Mix, right? Do we need to tell, like, if anyone is listening to this podcast who wasn't alive in the 90s and didn't, like, get to hear the Mega Mix on the radio, it's, like, it's Summer Nights and then Grease Lightning and then uh, You're the One That I Want. And it, like, just kind of smash cuts between it's the Grease Mega Mix. You get, mm-hmm. you get all, all the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this, as a... I think that the as a as a musical number in a musical movie, I think this song is so successful. Yeah. It like it's got dumb choreography and everyone is like taking it to eleven. It does that thing where like the protagonists are all like kind of talking to each other and then slowly all the people in the background like start bopping along in rhythm and all of a sudden they're a part of it too yeah Um, genuinely i like that like i i like how many of the extras have business to do i like that everything's just sort of filmed wide and that and that they just catch what they can of all these extras dancing um i like i told you i like i like that like patty simcox who's sort of like the good girl who's the cheerleader she's like hanging out with them even though they're bad girls and that's that's something that i I do kind of like about this movie because that's how high school is is like you know, it's not like Mean Girls where everyone's at their click at their own table and people get mad at you if you sit at the wrong table. It's like sometimes that, that cheerleader girl hangs out with the motorcycle gang yeah. girl, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I like that she's in in there and part of this number. Uh, and I do, I like all the choreography. I like all the bleachers choreography. I don't, um, I don't totally understand why he's by himself at the very end. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's the other part too, is that like then like the thing that they're doing is that he is just like all of his dialogue is like she was good, you know what I mean? And someone's like, yeah, did she put up a fight? Which I guess I'm glad to hear that they take that out. That's that is a dumb. It's just dumb to have in as a song lyric. And of course, it's like the 45 year old, uh, <laughs> yeah, Sunny. Italian well, Sunny. Right, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, with his like his pock marks. <laughs> yeah, and his. Uh, uh, Worcestershire or what liver is eating or something. He's always so gross. Um, this is also on John Travolta's pose at the end. It's like we get like both of their faces finally in the same shot. That. He's got his that. arm up and his hip is like out. You hate of it. It's ugh. that always bothered I me. I, that I hate it. it. has it no place. I love it, but it has no place there. It's it has like, no it place guy. there, and that's why it bothered me. I was even that's as a fair. child, I was like, "This is not right. <laughs> this is he needs to sit down." <laughs> I don't know why he's doing that. Um, and when he goes like this, oh, when he goes, oh, <laughs> that part, like that, made my butt want to fall off. Is <laughs> oh. like that, that cringe feeling of when he's like. Oh. oh my I, god so we ate, we ate that part up during the song we did <laughs> that is yeah. awful oh that's so fun to imitate um, oh my gosh i do I, do you do you have you like come you say so even still you hate it it's not like now you're like you appreciate it as like at least in a 
Because I like it as just sort of like it's, as it's, a performer it's, taking it's, their moment. Exactly. No, it's no I nowhere else but that. Greece does that does that exist. You know? <laughs> oh no, like that is absolutely not. That part is just. No, I love, the, I love the everything we hate, we love. You actually hate. <laughs> <laughs> this is why this movie is so successful, though, right? Because like everyone has these strong opinions, and they're not necessarily over the same things. Yeah. So then there's a um, what looks like a nightmare of a scene to shoot a sort of pep rally where people are yeah. throwing throwing fire. <laughs> like I never had like a bonfire pep rally, but maybe that's because I went to high school after there were lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> the also um, we we haven't talked about how the the staff of the school is all played by all these stars of fifties television. So it's yeah, Eve Arden, Sid Caesar, all these people who I barely know who they are. Is Eve Arden who's the who's Blanche the secretary? Eve, Eve Arden is the favorite. principal. Dodie Goodman is Blanche the secretary, and Sid Caesar is is the football coach. And those are sort of the yeah. main guys. Blanche the secretary is like finding a way to have business in any moment that uh-huh. a camera is She's near her, funny. and it's great. <laughs> um, yeah, the bonfire is where they finally like meet and they have that little confrontation, and like I guess sets the plot off. But like, what plot? You know, and then we also meet uh, the rival gang. Uh, yeah, the, the the scorpions. Yeah, there's a moment that got a laugh out of stuff both times we watched it, which is when the rival gang drives by. Uh, one of them, one of the T birds, pulls out their knife, and then uh, Pud- Pudsey <laughs> is that his name? Yeah, Pudsey pulls out his water gun. <laughs> yeah, so serious. <laughs> um, and then we go to a sleepover, and we get um really our first great Stockard Channing moment, which is. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. No, I, I love the sleepover. I, a fun fact is that I turned to you and when we watched, we were watching this last night, and I was like, "Man, I was like, she almost sounds like a country singer. She's got such a twang to her voice." I was like, "I wonder if she had just played Loretta Lynn in Coal Miner's Daughter." And then I found out that I was doing something that I had done my entire life, which is confused Sissy Spacek. Are you and serious? <laughs> Andy Fleming. Yeah, it's Andy not, just got so mad. I, I, you're from Memphis. How are you I know. doing? I know. I've never seen Coal Miner's Daughter, though. We're, we're going to have to watch it for the podcast. It's I, I'm a big Loretta Lynn fan, but I, I honestly thought... And also, it just is because Stockard Channing was like singing, and I was like, damn, she sounds like Loretta Lynn. What? Is it? <laughs> 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 that's basic as Loretta... That's, that's... Those two are... They are now shining with each other. Like there's no separation anymore. Like Sissy Spacek yeah. and Tommy Lee Jones brought her to us. Deliver uh-huh. like Stalker Channing is just they're not even as ladies, white ladies, there couldn't even be more of the other. <laughs> and I think her voice is twangy because it that the the words are they lead to like if you have to that look at me I'm so, like it makes you want to like mm. pull. I mean, it's not helping when you do. Well, it. yeah, I get, nothing <laughs> gets helped when I say it, but it's like that. Like look at me, it like pulls the it pulls your vowels out, so it just like 
lends itself, Monica. I'm furious. <laughs> no, I, I do agree. But I do think she has it even later in a different song. She sounds kind of country. And I, I even looked up to see where she's from. She's born in Manhattan, raised on the yeah. Upper East Side. Like, she's not from the South at all. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, so this is the, yeah, the pajama party, Sandra D, Elvis, all that stuff. The, the uh, toothpaste commercial. Um, See, that uh, scene really traumatized me as Was them making fun of her when she goes with, to the bathroom? Yes, yes. because I had had yes. situations like that. Again, me resonating with Sandy. <laughs> as a young kid, like during, you know, daisies and brownies, like Girl Scouts type situations where you go in the other room and they're talking about you, that uh-huh. type of thing. I mean, so that was like hard for me to watch as a kid. Cause it was like, I, yeah. I mean, it was like getting bullied at the sleepover yeah. feeling. So Kristen, I feel that rough. so deeply. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rough um, one. I thought you were going to say it made you afraid to get your ears pierced. No, <laughs> it okay. did. I, I did definitely see this movie before I had my ears pierced because when my mom was like, asked me if I wanted to do it. I assumed that it would be this kind of scenario. And she was like, no, <laughs> she'd they'd... take a needle into the bathroom and get an ice cube. For yeah. You after like forget to get an ice cube first. <laughs> I did think there was more blood involved. Like I thought it was like more like, yeah, in my mind, she doesn't want the blood on her carpet. Yeah. I, yeah. So I've pictured like an artery or something, you know, like a, a lot of blood. Yeah. I do remember that, but. Yeah, you shouldn't have any blood, really. But so then the boys, the boys show uh, up, and uh, and Rizzo shimmies down a drain pipe to go meet them. <laughs> yeah, in and, a really cute cigarette mm-hmm. pant. I just, yes. I just want to shout out her costuming. <laughs> it's some great costuming. And this, uh, this scene probably has the most lines that middle school productions have to change. Uh, because <laughs> she says to Travolta, uh, uh, "Where are you going, Zuko? To flog your log." Uh, and then when Zuko leaves, it's just her and Kaniki and all the boys. She turns to all the boys and says, "What do you think this is? A gangbang?" <laughs> yeah. God, no! One of the yeah. oh my god, one of the children today at the hospital. I said, I said, "What do you like to do?" I said, "What do you?" I said, "What do you enjoy doing?" He said, "Rapping and gangbanging." And I said, "I hope you mean murdering people." <laughs> You are 12. <laughs> you better be rapping and shooting people. Because <laughs> the idea of a 12-year-old fucking was so much worse to me than of 12-year-old shooting people. I know. It's hard to say what he meant to because gangbanging, yeah. meaning like being in a gang, feels like feels like a phrase from the era of this movie. Yes. Gang- yeah. It feels like rapping a thing that gang- people from yeah. the 50s said. Yeah. yeah. Rapping and yeah. I was like, you better be fucking killing people. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I feel like with this movie, and maybe this is kind of what you guys are talking about with it kind of being all over the place, I think it's more just like, you know, this is a very, this is a watered down version of what originally was written, trying like time capsule this sort of um, era where these people were like, they were having sex. They were, you know, stealing parts for cars. They were drag racing. They were doing, and it's sort of like they wanted to timestamp that, like time capsule that and the music and stuff like that. And then it's sort of like just got really watered down and 
and turned into this like Disney kind of yeah production but I think originally why it was probably at Kingston Mine is because it was like them just talking about like how you know like kids the movie or something like <laughs> you know it was like trying to just kids the musical the 90s or what when we grew <laughs> yeah. up you know you know what I'm saying and then yeah. It's just like they took it and and turned it into a Broadway production yeah. that can be on every cruise ship around right. the cruise ship around the world. <laughs> so it's like I think the original intent was just to kind of, hey, this is what it was like when we were teens. This is how we talked. This is how we dressed. This is what we did. And now, yeah, it's- and like the only bits that are left of that are like Rizzo and Kaniki hooking up in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the gangbang or flog your log. Like mm-hmm. that was something flog they said. Log. What you know, did you, but like, you turned to me when you were like, I could have sworn. I swore that, said- that, that she's, that she said, where are you going to, um, to, uh, pound your pud? I could have swore oh, no. she said to pound your pud, but she says to flog your log. That is Flog to, Your Log is great. To me, the anyway. pound your putt is it, from the mind of Andy Fleming. <laughs> you always talk about growing yeah. up in Memphis. That's some growing up in Memphis shit. That's some some kids of the the boys who went mudding in their trucks used to say, "I'm gonna go pound your putt." There's also another scene later, not to jump ahead, but where she says something to him about like, I forget what she says, but he said something, and like. She goes with relish. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, I wrote it down. It's um when they're in the diner. Yeah, and he says, "Bite the weenie, Riz," and she goes with relish, and then licks her lips. Yeah. So as my, my kid brain, I was like, "What? Like, why is the comeback? Like, if anybody, like, why does he want her to eat a hot dog? Oh my God. Saying, like, with relish. Like, it. Little is that little like a baby tubie <laughs> is like, that's not good. That's not like good. With a notebook, like, you're like, dogs. I gotta buy guys hot dogs. <laughs> yes, I'm like, I know what to say if anybody says that to me. <laughs> So yeah, in fact, it's and this- I do like relish. <laughs> well, you're a Chicago original, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's this very next scene that they go off to uh, to have sex in their car, and he pulls out <laughs> uh, sort of Chekhov's condom, uh, which is uh, he calls his 25 cent insurance policy, but it crumbles uh, because he bought, he bought it. it when he was in the seventh grade. Yeah. And uh, and that sort of like sets us up for the pregnancy scare later. And then we yeah, also have so many implications. Yeah. <laughs> I know, which really, I think we can all agree, goes somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then we also meet Craterface and Cha Cha, uh, which is yeah. just such, but in, in and of itself sounds like a sitcom from the 50s. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, um, but then we get to finally what I I do think is our best set number, and that is Greased Lightning. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, there, I we haven't talked about it at all. One of the adults who's kind of around is the shop teacher, Mrs. Murdoch. And I just, I wanted to start this conversation with, I noticed that Mrs. Murdoch is like dancing with them in this scene. She is part of this scene. And I, I think that's. I have no idea. That I didn't notice of, her. Yeah, she, I didn't, I didn't even, really remember her being there. So she's either, like their, but... their their garage teacher or whatever, and you can even see her yeah. doing the choreo with them. Like she's got the like the hat up, yeah, right? Doesn't uh-huh. she wear like a uh-huh. hat like with coveralls? The yeah, yeah. Uh, is she a lady shop teacher in a I movie know. set in the fifties? I know. Who knew? And what? she like she's there. She's there at the race. I want to say later. Like she's yeah. 
she's uh why is uh, she hanging out them. with these kids so much i know right and, I, and, and in fact you, you even see her go after the boy is all moon the camera at the dance you see her walk by them later and like give them a sort of lascivious look not okay um, no but also when they moon at the, when, when, it, when they moon the camera at the dance you see the old lady who works at the diner go i wonder who the guy on the right is because it's just butts but she's like like oh, you know how when you look at a time. naked butt a naked dude's butt while he's bent over you're like i gotta get me a piece of that i've always said <laughs> right. whenever yeah, if i see a out of context ass <laughs> i need i need more information uh let's talk about a couple of these lines in grease lightning um what's the line about it's... tit oh you know that it ain't shit we'll be getting lots of tit grease lightning <laughs> I mean, I, all right. I like that one. Actually, it's a real pussy wagon. It's a real pussy wagon. Um, and then I can't also, you want. Okay, here's my thing. You want supreme? The chicks will cream for grease lightning. Yeah. Wow. Wait, but you. Know, I this... think in my head, I thought it was like or some ice cream. Like uh, no, <laughs> chicks will cream. Is this why Taco Bell supreme items have, have, sour, have cream. sour cream in them? Is that I... like wait is a minute this the origin? <laughs> I have thought that that really? that I have honestly thought that many times, <laughs> and I've been trying to work it into a stand-up bit. I'm not even kidding you, you about can do it. I how believe the in taco you. is like a vagina, and it becomes supreme when there is sour cream, <laughs> and that is honestly something I've thought so many times. But there's I got I got to stop talking about puss on stage, but. <laughs> getting too much people people just sending you pictures of scones from starbucks <laughs> if if a if a lady's taco had that much cream it would be supreme wouldn't it <laughs> is wouldn't that it? what the is that what those uh the supreme uh shirts are that's like, also oh. my thinking it's yeah. all connected mm-hmm. you know it's the a taco big Bell, and it really part of it it all comes from greece Probably. If we had easy access to time machines, I would want to go back and meet baby to me and interview her <laughs> right now and be like, tell me what you think this is about. Yes. That's what I'm trying to do is like trying to yeah. think about like, obviously they're going to have ice cream. They're going to love it. Right. Yeah. They're going to love it. <laughs> they're going to have relish on it. Yeah. If Rizzo's there, it's, they're just going to put yeah, relish on just it. Foods they like. And they don't have their insurance. I don't know why he's looking for his insurance in the backseat. At least it was cheap. What do you guys think of of the montage where um, Danny is trying different sports? Oh, God. I forgot about that. In order to, like, be better for Sandy, I guess. He's trying all these different sports. Why is it here? Who is it for? Who was watching this movie and was like, you know what? I've been having a good time. Needs more gymnastics. Mm -hmm. I, all right. I did. I liked it. I I didn't notice it until the the, the rewatch last year. But I liked that a lot just because my memory of that movie was she had to change for him mm-hmm. but i did not realize there was a whole montage where he tried to get his shit together for her mm-hmm. and so like men humiliating themselves for a woman it bring me out of context montage any day like <laughs> and for them it was probably just a vehicle to get john travolta in a bunch of different outfits 
Um, and I imagine yeah, too, Sid Caesar may have wanted so some comedy cute. business to do. Like Sid Caesar <laughs> oh, as the yeah. coach, they may he may have wanted some jokes. I don't know. It, it's well, he's such a he is such a doll, and you, they put him in all these little athletic outfits, and it was just <laughs> it to me. It's like what they do to you know when a woman's really cute, they put her yeah, in a bunch yeah, of different. Yeah. And I was like, yes, like he's like a little doll. They're just dressing him up. Dress him putting up, him in his little paper. white pants and now he's in yeah. his little spandex pants and now he's in his little leather he's got pants. his comb tucked into his little yes. shorts but it's so funny because the arc yeah. of this movie is like i've got to get my shit together and be a better person so that sandy will like me and i can get back together with her and sexually assault her at the drive-in yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll get there we'll get yeah. there so so danny and sandy do get back together they sort of go on a date and they're trying to danny's trying to be kind of he's trying to hide behind the menus and stuff and not be seen. And it wasn't, again, still not clear to me if it's because of his boys or if it's because like, there's something earlier that maybe implies that he and Patty Simcox had a thing going on at some point. Um, I thought it was because of him and Rizzo or no, actually, I think I thought that they just wanted to be alone. Like, cause he was like embarrassed of his friend's behavior. Oh yeah. So then he goes, and then, and then he's like, then Kaniki comes up and burps, you know, like uh, yeah. moves yeah. the menus and burps, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, like this is what I try to avoid." It's like, why did you go to the oh, one place yeah. in town where all your friends hang out? Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, um, but then everyone leaves, and this is where we get Beauty School Dropout, which is which is also, I think, top three set pieces in this movie is Beauty School Dropout. Yeah, and I think nice that's why piece. they went there to eat. You know, really yeah, at the end of right. the day. Yeah, they had to yeah. get to beauty school drop out. They got to set up that next. That next yeah. Right. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no, I, I, I love beauty school drop. For some reason, this number has always stuck out to me and I've always enjoyed it. And uh, and I think it's like... In my head, it's like so big and complicated. And then you watch it and it really just is like the one set and the one shot. Mm-hmm. And it's just him crooning. But the, like, the choreography is even on, like so people just great. sort of slowly stepping from one plot spot to another. Like uh-huh. there's not a lot of complicated choreo in here either. You know what really it's bothered perfect. me? What? About that is when, you know, the waitress who's so cute. I don't know what the actress's name is, but she's older. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, shutting the lights off. And she goes like to shut it off with her elbow. But her elbow never touches the switch. But they just did it. It's like one of those errors. Sloppy. Yeah, sloppy. Oh, I'll tell you. You know what? I'll tell you um, what that actress's name is. Her name is Ellen Travolta. (gasps) Shut up. Is she related to John Travolta? (laughs) She might be, Kristen. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it's his mom. (laughs) Wait, what? That's really cute. I feel like when you said Ellen Travolta, everyone knew it was his mom immediately without context, except to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, so his mom? The truth is that that she she might just be one of the extraneous waitress. She's just credited as Frosty Palace waitress. But I think that (laughs) Vi is the main waitress. Vi is the main. So that's actually not Ellen Travolta. Okay. Um, Okay. But but of note is that that is the part when they do Grease Live in 2020. 12 or 16 or something mm-hmm. uh that's the part that dd khan who plays frenchie is gonna take she's gonna be vi the waitress who sets up beauty school uh-huh. dropout for frenchie nice that's nice but who played, played by, by uh kether uh, kether donahue is plays uh frenchie in, in greece live 2016 kether donahue, blair, donahue plays blair witch project um, no, no sorry no it's not, is, it, is it donahue kether uh yeah donahue from you're the worst yeah from your, she plays Jan and Carly oh. Rae Jepsen. Yeah. Is, oh, sorry. Uh, I would have flipped that if I'm being honest. 
<laughs> um, no, Wait, Carly uh, Rae Jepsen's playing Frenchie. In, in 2016, in the, she did. The 2016, oh. like, when you remember when they were doing all those live musicals on TV? On Fox, usually. So, so yeah, Grease Live, it's like, and David Tivette is Zuko, and uh, Vanessa Hudgens is Aaron Sandy. Tivette. Sorry, thank oh. you. David Tivette is a comic. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Rose, or sorry, Joan Blond- Blondell is the woman who plays the uh, Vi, the, the waitress. Vi. Joan Blondell. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, beauty school dropout. Good stuff. Frankie Avalon. This is another reference that I know because of my mom is like how old that reference is, <laughs> is that like Frankie and Annette Funicello used to do these beach movies that my mom's generation loved. Um, okay. And I didn't realize that. And also something we didn't mention. So he's he's not the first Frankie involved with this movie. Frankie Valley wrote, sorry, he didn't write. He performs the title song, Grease. And it's written by, and I'm sorry to do this to you, Mandy, Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> I've come You're around. Right. I've come around on the BJs. All right, fair enough. I've come around. It's very big of you. I uh, <laughs> just, you know, at that time, couldn't couldn't have been <laughs> if to a girl growing up in the eighties, couldn't have been anything less cool. Yeah, than disco sure, than the yeah, BJs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of cool, from this point is where we get to the dance. It's not called American Bandstand. No, it's National Bandstand. That's probably different. for. Yeah, copyright. Probably because Dick Clark uh, wouldn't consent to uh, prey on a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is like this is another like special issue of the of the comic, and it's that American Bandstand is there, and this guy Vince Fontaine is like gonna come hit on Mar- Marty the high schooler the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, he has eyes for her right away. And in fact, it's th- and she she has a line later where she says, "I caught Vince Fontaine trying to put aspirin into my coke." Right. I just I can't even believe that part like now, and you know, it's so <laughs> weird because I'm sure you guys know, you gals know, like when you're young, you get hit on by guys in their twenties. I mean, not me. I was always the friend with friends with the one that was getting hit on. And hooking up with, like, at 12 and 13, like, hooking up with, like, 24-year-old, 26-year-old guys. And so, I mean, but, and I always remember being slightly, like, creeped out by them. But not now looking at it, it's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, especially as a mother. I'm like, this is horrifying. Yep. But And to have it have been something that's, like... It's so just part of it that it's not, it's like, it, it is there's no problem the butt of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's yeah, no... yeah. It's just like a thing that's happening oh, yeah. Yeah. while other jokes are happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, all my 12 year old friends had like 21 year old boyfriends. Yes. It was always like someone's older brother. And mm-hmm. they, that they would literally be like me, like they didn't tell me stuff. Cause it'd be like, she doesn't, she's a virgin. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're 12. Right. (laughs) Supposed to to be virgins. I'm a child. Yeah. Yeah. I seem to be the only child who understood I was a child. I was like an adult trapped in a child's body going, we're children. (laughs) We're children. (laughs) Same. And I remember being like sitting in the front seat of a car at like 12 or 13 while my friend who's the same age, like was having sex in the back seat with like an (laughs) adult man. Yes. And me just being like, you know, I don't think this is right. You know, like, (laughs) I would like to go home. Yes. And I'm uncomfortable. Yes. And That's yeah. It's horrifying. Yes. Oh, I know. 
please take me home. It's horrible. Yeah. I do and not want a sleepover. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to do sleepovers because yes. I knew what that meant. I yeah. Like, I don't want to be there when that's there. Right. That sounds gross. And Ma- Marty appears to kind of go back and forth between being into it and, and not into it. it. It's really hard to that, tell what Marty wants from the interaction. <laughs> that actress has this thing that she does with her mouth. There's a moment during Summer Eleven where she does one of those like, uh-huh, and like she like crunched, crumples up her face and she's doing a similar thing here and it's like you can kind of read it as her putting on that like nervous mm-hmm. energy or like Either right, either she's not into it and doesn't know what to do, or she's like trying to flirt or something. Yeah. I don't, uh-huh. It's so weird. Yeah. Is um is now a good time to talk about how I get elements of this movie and elements of West Side Story confused because they're both these period pieces that have a climactic dance off in a high school gym. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. This it's one weird. has more toilet paper. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do, uh, and more hand jive. What do we? Yeah, what do yeah, we want to say about, about the? I mean, the hand jive is obviously the sort of climax of of the dance off. Um, but there's there's a lot. Do to you say guys? About the dance which off. by Does the way, here know how to hand drive? Like if if I just had if you just had to do it, could you do it? I no, think so. No. We we learned it for our set, Mandy. We uh, we yeah, did it during and, one joke. Andy did make me learn it, and then I forgot it again. <laughs> Um, um, but what I never know, Andy knows I have a learning disability, so <laughs> I can't take in new information. Like I'm done learning, <laughs> I can't receive anything new. So to have There's no more plastic, yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm doing jokes. I'm trying to do an Australian accent. Now he's got me singing, and now he's like, "Let's do this." Hand. And I was like, "I'm done." No, I'm full. Uh, I'm full. I taught, I, taught her how, I taught her how to hand jive, and then she forgot the second through fifth precedents. <laughs> <laughs> He, I, I was doing four things. <laughs> it's a lot of things. But it's yeah, the so the um this dance contest is, I don't even know. Like, okay, so I, I get very confused. I had to watch it twice in order to understand like exactly what's happening. I don't. I understand. still don't know. I've seen it probably hundreds of times. I still don't know how people how? won or what was going on. Right. Was very what I don't chaotic. understand is why does... The only rule I understand is no gays. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only that, rule yeah. of this dance. Sid Caesar goes out there and he goes, all right, rule number one, all couples must be male-female. It's like, that. they had to get that in the movie. God. And then, like, there are no more rules. <laughs> yeah, no more rules are listed. It's just so that someone goes, someone goes, sorry, Eugene. It's like when you get, yeah, you get tapped, you have to get out. Like, I didn't yeah. know, it's like, honestly. Yeah, it's, kind of like, it's like if you're tapped, you get out of the way so that the dance. And then, but then there's like, it's like sort of the end and it's down to just the couple of them. And then Danny and Sandy come in. And that's always weird because like, he, John Travolta is dancing like all of these other professional dancers. And Olivia Newton-John is, like, doing her little bouncy hand drive thing. And so, like, we're supposed to believe that they're about to win this contest, but she's not dancing as well as everyone else was dancing. <laughs> and, then, and then she's just gone. Yeah, like, Sunny I, sidetracks her somehow for, for some like, reason. I don't know her. why. And then what's, yeah, what's up with and that? And Chacha no just ever... takes her shot. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... So what's, what the fuck was Sonny doing? Like, um, is I he don't like understand. sexually assaulting right. Sandy? What is going on? Because and uh, why? Steph, you said that it looks like Putz, Putzy. Is that his name? Putzy is in on it too. That like he sort of helps get Sandy out of there. And it's There's, just like, but why are they getting her out of there? That's never really like that up. Yeah, 
That's I, I, I really don't know. It's sitcom logic. But it's it's once again like they we need them to be fighting and yeah. we don't really have a reason for them to be fighting. I, oh, I love so, that they were like we then they just couldn't write one. I know. They're, right. <laughs> well, like, so we don't just it's just what so, we need. Something I did learn is that originally it was just sunny so they're supposed to sidetrack Sandy before the dance contest ever starts and that he's just supposed to dance with Cha-Cha the whole time. But Olivia Newton-John was like, hey, I want to dance. She's like, I came here to dance. I am a trained singer and dancer. Please let me dance for half of this contest. And then like, so they, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Then. So then they yeah. wrote it into where she dances for half the time and then gets sidetracked, but they forgot to write in a good reason for why she gets. Yeah. Good reason. <laughs> um, and That's then, the, yeah, Danny Oops. and Cha-Cha win the contest. And then he and you never see Danny once look around to be like, where did Sandy go? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I was furious He's... at him for that. Yeah, I was yeah. just so mad, like so rude. Uh, and and then... Sorry, the no. mooning happens. Yes. No, go ahead. And then the mooning happens because <laughs> uh, they're playing Blue Moon. Sha Na Na, by the way, the band Sha Na Na <laughs> is the band at their dance contest. Legitimately uh, thought you just threw Sha Na Na in for flair. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's a band. Shana-na. So Shana-na is a, is a band. <laughs> he says that after every season. I'm trying to make a catchphrase happen in season two, and it's Shana-na. <laughs> um, no, it's, so Shana-na is this band that's hot in the 70s for being a 50s throwback band. And so that's why oh, they're okay. here. And a fun okay. fact about Shana-na is that they're the first act, they're the first act to play at Greece. Sorry, I said that wrong. They're the first act to play at Woodstock. So Woodstock starts, and for some reason, these 50s greasers are the first ones playing. Sha-na-na. Um, Please keep doing that. I'm, doing, oh I'm, I'm hosting a comedy show tonight. I'm happy to throw Sha-na-na at the end of every single Please. one of my jokes. Please. So after... Please uh, do that. Please. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can I, a, a joke Shana. I love is that after Shana. the Moonian... Shanana, it cuts to um, <laughs> it cuts to the principal, and she is assuring the students over the loudspeaker that the the photos of their butts have been sent to the FBI, and they will identify them. Yeah, they have special. I remember tools that. Yeah, they that do. That's great. I love great it because they're. That's like the only time they take sexual like deviancy seriously in the movie. They're like, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, no, the FBI. Throughout the throughout the entire dance contest, like women are like sitting on guys faces and like straddling them on the floor and like yeah. and like every once in a while they'll cut to the principal and she'll just be like woo I don't know about all this and then just lets it keep going but also the secretary at the dance contest ends up on a student's shoulders and like with her dress over his head yeah it's like if you oh, watch yeah. for that it's like she's having the most fun <laughs> We also why were the why were Blanche and the principal producing that television show like in <laughs> yeah, cafe? Like the, they're the, like the running the TV show, and the principal are the ones like yeah. giving the cues and like giving the rules out. And it's just like this is TV. Isn't there someone to do That's that? Just a random thought I had. Ugh. Um. Okay. So so one thing I saw was that the plot wise, Danny is supposed to win the tickets to the drive-in. That's like his prize for winning the dance contest. That's just a little fun fact. Now oh, we're gonna okay. go to the drive-in. That's not like I didn't know that. Just, yeah. So we go to the drive-in where they that. where they um have made up. Also, Rizzo lets it slip that she's pregnant, and then um sort of Marty, Marty tells, tells Sunny who tells everyone basically. And like you and watch, like you you see scene. Rizzo. Sorry, is this what you're gonna I, say? 
Yeah, I like that scene as she's walking yeah. and everyone's like gossiping. I thought that's really good for, especially for the stage, but it it translated. It really works on, well. on yeah. screen. Like I you, thought you, it was one cute. of those. Like the the yeah. gossip is almost beating her to her mm-hmm. to her destination. Like it's in front of her the whole time. Uh, yeah. So that by the time yeah. she gets over to Kaniki, he's like, "I hear you're pregnant." Uh, all in one shot. I love it. It's a great joke. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then we cut to Danny and Sandy, um, where he, um, it's it's weird, right? <laughs> what happens it's here? Like, yeah, because she sort of like doesn't want to make out. And he's like, well, maybe she'll make out if I give her my ring. And she <laughs> likes that, but still doesn't want to make out. <laughs> and then he's like, well, maybe she'll want to make out if I grab her boob and pin her down in the car instead. <laughs> Toomey, what, what is your take for why he sneezes? Do you remember that he sneezes and then he's like, oh, it must just be some drive-in dust? Yeah, that I don't understand. Is it is he figure like- it out. Is it like to put his arm around her or something? No, because then he's like doing that. And then mm-hmm. I remember oh, he, he like yeah, used he the like grease this. to loosen yeah. his, his ring. <laughs> I didn't but pick that, that up on that. That's really yeah, cool. he's yeah. like trying to get it's the like ring stuck. off. But he, and then he puts the grease on it and then he gets oh, it cool. off. I did not know And that. then he, he pulls it off and he elbows, elbows her. her. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, and then it's awkward. That whole thing was very upsetting to me. Like, I didn't understand why he thought. That was like an invitation. Yeah. When yeah. she's like, Danny. And then he's like, oh, Sandy. It's like, it was like, ew. I mean. Yeah, it's gross. Mm-hmm. That's um, gross. And then she runs out of the car and slams the car door on his boner. And it's not, that's not me like reading too much in. He like has a big, you just slammed a car door on my boner yeah. take. He does a big boner take. Big boner take. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my absolute favorite thing after... Uh, you know, pressing yourself on this woman so much so that she runs away and has to find her own way home from the drive-in. He then sings a song about all about why did you leave me alone, Sandy? <laughs> I, yeah, that that was always um, and the swings. Yeah, there's swings know? at the drive-in, which apparently mm-hmm. is based on a real thing that the director had at a drive-in at his hometown. But it doesn't help that like he's singing this heartfelt song, and then at the end of it. And apparently John Travolta fought with the director about this. He wanted a close-up for him at the end. And what we got instead is a wide shot. And as he's singing in the background on the screen, you see a hot dog jump into a bun. Yes, I, I remember and that. I might add, with relish. Um, <laughs> it was a supreme bun. Yeah. And so yeah. He, he wanted it to be this sincere moment with a close-up. And instead, the director was like, no, nah, let's get a dick joke in the background instead. <laughs> But I think it's really interesting how this cast, with all the things that you're telling me, like they really fought for their own ego in this thing, mm-hmm. which might be part of the reason why it's so convoluted at times. And yeah. so like mismatched because there's a lot of young ego being crammed into it yeah. and it's not really serving the story or the original story as much as it's serving their own you know what they want to flex on and showcase for themselves so that's true but and it also kind of seems like they were the directors were just kind of like yeah that's fine what story right (laughs) like well because they had huge star power at the time exactly so they were just pulling yeah and i just wonder like how much that's happening in hollywood i didn't realize that 
I know, especially. I wonder the if time. that's still happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because those kids, I mean, they weren't. They were stars, but they weren't like. This was not like a Tom Cruise driven vehicle. Like they right. were. The fact that they were able to say, like, I'm gonna, add, I'm gonna have my person write my own song and yeah. add it in that doesn't go, and then Travolta's like, well, I'm gonna take Danny Zuko's song, <laughs> even though I or take who was whose song did he take? Kaneki. Yeah, he took Kaneki. I'm gonna take Kaneki's, even though I already took the part from from real life. From Kinnick. him, yeah. <laughs> from real life, I already took it from him. I'm gonna take his, his song mm-hmm. as well. And then Olivia Newton-John's like, well, I'm going to add a song. And and it. Yeah. And now he's like, can yeah. you zoom in when I do this part yeah. of the song? And, and it's I, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I don't know how much power a director has or a producer has. But I feel like I'd be like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I'm just going, no, you're an actor. No. Yeah. You're right. A, not even like you, you don't even have producer pull. Like, yeah. You don't even, right. Yeah. yeah. Say the words. And then it's also like also part of it is that John Travolta is fighting for because he was on Broadway with playing or no, sorry, he toured playing duty. So he's like fighting for the fidelity of the original production as well. Like and, and he's fighting for less changes to it. Oddly enough, the things that John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John are, are fighting for are I mostly agree on with the exception of hopelessly devoted to you. Although who am I? because that song <laughs> sure. became a huge hit for her, right? Like that she yeah. did that song till she died. Yeah. Well, wait, was yeah. she <clears throat> was she a big uh, singer before Grease? That's a good question. She had only been in, like, really one movie before that. I don't know what but her But I think she had a was. record deal. I think that she was, yeah. I think she when, was coming in like, as a singer. physical, physical. Well, so well, then see, that, that's this is what I was reading. Sure. That, like, that happens after, and she <laughs> takes this sort of, like, poppy turn. Okay, so what, what was she doing before? She had a song out just in Australia, maybe. Which doesn't count. So in in, uh, in 1965, she wins a singing contest in in Australia. Uh, And then, yeah, she's doing acting. She has her first single in 1966. Um, And then she starts a duo with Pat Carroll in the UK. And so she's... She has a solo album out in 1971. So yeah, she is a she is very much a solo artist by this point. Yeah, and like so internationally, she's probably more well known than she was here at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Yeah, and that's how you know. But she had money, like she had probably high powered agents to like negotiate for her. Apparently, I'm just saying. Like, I just. I feel like nowadays people wouldn't do that. No, yeah. No. And la- or it they would be like, oh, we got actors. Chalamet and he's a producer as well. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So now there's a reason yeah. that he has input because he has yeah. a producer credit, you know? Right. But yeah, it wouldn't, you yeah. wouldn't just see like, you know, Nev Campbell being like, hey, we shouldn't do this in Scream 6. That's a bad example because yeah. I'm pretty sure she did do that and then <laughs> wasn't in Scream 6. But <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or Scream 7. Yeah, She's see, not in Scream. No, Scream 6. She's not in Scream 6. That's Confirm. what I'm saying. Like, they would just re- – I feel like they would just recast somebody that was being yeah. – that would be, like, difficult yeah. or yeah. something. Yeah. You think no. they're going to have trouble finding another skinny blonde woman in 1978? Right. But not global sensation Olivia Newton-John. They mm-hmm. won't find Can another one of that. Nope. Never would. But they're about <laughs> to get physical. <laughs> They're going to get physical, and it's going to be a huge hit. You want the Oscar? I got the Oscar. The Oscar's coming for me. Put it in the film. 
she, she, she never won, won an Oscar. Oscar. She did? Wait, I thought no, you she said didn't. the song did. No, it, it was nominated, but it lost to Donna Summer. Okay, okay. Well, she's the only one that got him even in the ceremony, so. It's true. You know? And oddly Terrible enough, two, song, two but... different songs were nominated for the Golden Globes. And then it was just that song was nominated for the Oscars. But yeah, she oh, was weird. never nominated for an Oscar, Olivia Newton-John. Just that song, hmm. which she did not write. So she did not actually get the nomination. Oh. Um, she probably got to sing at the ceremony. I was about to say, did she get to sing at the Oscars? I hope so. I hope they did all the songs back then. Yeah, they don't. Do they do that now? Do they, or did they stop doing that? Every once in a while they don't. And I'm like, hey, there's no excuse to not sing these five songs at the show. Right. There's only the show, five songs the you can three sing hours at the show. Long. Exactly. You need these songs. Yeah. You need, need these performances. The, we need yeah. these songs. We need yeah. these songs. Yeah. And like, you know, some of the best moments of the Oscars in my life are those performances. Like when Robin Williams did Blame Canada, you know, at the, <laughs> at the 1999 uh-huh. Oscars, right. you know. Yeah, like I've never I, seen that. It was uh, from South Park, and they rather than the South Park boys doing it, they wanted they got Robin Williams to do it at the Oscars. It's beautiful. Oh wow! So they uh, do the drive-in, and then we get like a quick little like the boys are ready to race their car, and Mrs. Murdoch calls the car as hot as the parts on it because she knows that the parts are stolen. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Uh, Did we skip and... over Rizzo's solo, by the way? No. And then okay. after this is where we get to Rizzo and Sandy, like, I guess, have a moment. And then Rizzo sings There Are Worse Things I Could Do. Great which song. Is, like, a- yeah. Again, like, it doesn't really have any place in this movie that, like, doesn't actually give a fuck about this Rizzo storyline. But it's a great song. And every alto in the future needs something to audition with. <laughs> so, like, yeah. thank God they left it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and talk about them advocating for themselves this is one that she fought for to be included the director wanted to cut it and she was she (gasps) thought it it really needed to be there incredible yeah it's great I mean she and she nails that she nails that performance that is like yes I mean out of her whole career that'll be like I think the scene the scene for her so good for her the best sissy space like ever was we're thinking about (laughs) okay It's funny because when I was thinking about um, Sandy's song, whatever, Topelessly Devoted, that like that performance is also just her singing the song to the camera, like, you know, not like looking in it, but it's just that. And it's so blah. And this is also just that. And it's so captivating. Um, yeah. So. Well, because the lyrics have more to to them, I think. That's true. That is you know? true. Instead of like we, yeah, you're pining over this guy as opposed to like the sorrow of a slut. <laughs> like you don't, you don't hear that very often. That would have been a better title, <laughs> actually. Uh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that's it. I love now I'm gonna write that song. That's it. I... Sorrow of a slut, and it will win an Oscar. It will. <laughs> um, and then we go finally to Thunder Road. Where they drive for which, pink, which is an aqueduct, by the way. It's not a road at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what that's called. I, I, I love so, that. Yeah. I love that landscape yeah. in that scene, like that Kong, you know. But I was like, uh-huh. what is that part of a place? Mm-hmm. Aqueduct. <laughs> aqueduct. I think, why, I think is what why, that is. What always bothered me is that the film changes at some point during the race. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It looks almost like a cartoon or some sort of like different camera. I don't know what happens, but there is a segment 
that looks completely different than the rest of the film. I don't know if they had to borrow a different roll of film that day or <laughs> yeah, what like to happened? get like a different setup because there were action or <laughs> or they, they did it later. They had to it go was not- like something they had. They had to go knock we on do. the door at McCabe and Mrs. Miller and be like, can we borrow a cup of film, please? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking no, yeah. about? Yeah, I, I wonder if yeah. they, they shot it differently to make it, you know, more action-y or something in some way. Uh, I don't know. I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it looks, it's um, jarring. Meanwhile, this little motherfucker crater face has fucking knives that come out of the side of his car. <laughs> <laughs> and tear, right. tear grease lightning to shreds. Yeah, they tear great, but they can be kicked off just, you know, if you just kind of hit them. Mm -hmm. That's how he solves it. (laughs) I also want to talk about the smack talk that happens from the um the watchers from the various gangs the the, it's like one of them goes freaks and the other one yells your mother (laughs) so is your old man is what they should have that was real hot at the time your but your mother (laughs) is the that's what she said of 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 uh-huh. life prior uh-huh. to that's what she said. And yeah. there's And I feel like in any language, I feel yeah. like you could say ta mm-hmm. in French and it would be insulting, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um also the race when he finally wins, they they give him a nice round of he's a good jolly good fellow. Yeah, classic what? greaser you stuff. What? <laughs> I did not remember that. Also, Ew. we didn't even you, we didn't even talk about the sitcom logic that puts Danny in the driver's seat, which is um, <laughs> yes. Marty finds Find a, a penny, lucky pick Jan, it up. Jan finds a penny on the ground. Marty picks it up, gives it to Kaniki. Kaniki drops it. Sunny opens the door. It hits Kaniki in the head. Kaniki is concussed. Danny must drive. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yes. Um. And so yeah. So then yeah. After the race, uh, Sandy, uh, sort of Frenchie goes up to Sandy and she's like, "Are you all right?" And she's like, "No." but I think I know how I can be. <laughs> and she's sitting up there by herself with no shoes and yeah. socks on. That bothered me. Is she barefoot? Yeah, does she have her... yeah cause she's... she sits there and puts her shoes back on. Wow. Yeah. It's she like... puts her shoes and socks on. It's like, what, what are you doing? Why? Why? I'm saying that's on wiki sheet. On? <laughs> <laughs> but so, and also this is the point where I turned to Steph and I was like, Hey, I feel like, um, Frenchie and Sandy is the only healthy relationship in this movie. <laughs> yes, I agree. That's fair. Because Frenchie That's like saw point. her friend hanging out by herself and was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go say hi to Sandy. That's fair. That is fair. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Wiki, we, uh, Olivia Newton-John is four and a quarter stars on WikiFeet. So she she had him out there a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, oh right, no. Great. Now that's in my history. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. And so then we uh, we go and then right it's to a the carnival. carnival. Yeah, there's a carnival for what reason? There was a carnival in town, it's and like, they could shoot there. I think. Now here's what because I will it say. was a graduation, and you know what? Like I thought that when I was going to graduate high school, there would be a big carnival yeah. like that with all right? the rides. I thought everybody got that, <laughs> and I was very excited. And you know what? When I found out. I think that's why I have a GED because I I lost all my motivation. To me, yes. I was like, you know what? I've been duped. Let that be the full quote from this. I already was making a mark. Greece is the reason I have a GED. (laughs) Yeah. There's no carnival at the end of this, then I am out. Yeah. For those reasons, I am out. We've got no school dance that's being filmed on live TV. No. 
I've got no drag racing no. boyfriend. What is and the no carnival? Point? No. All the DJs in this town sleep with adult women. Yeah, this is what are they? Where are the perverts at the school? We've got no xylophone in the morning. <laughs> I've been lied to. Uh, but so what? So basically, Sandy comes up and she's. Uh... Oh, good news! Rizzo's not pregnant. Oh yeah. That's the rest of the way. I do remember <laughs> that celebration and felt very connected to the uh-huh. to her. Um I do think that is the one maybe moment where they capture some like true humanity. Yes. That is what that feels like. Yeah. And uh, spiritually she's getting off that uh Ferris wheel of emotion. Ooh. And she is going Who you know needed what? that high school education? Uh-huh. <laughs> She's getting right off that ride and on to her future, mm-hmm. which includes going to heaven in a car. <laughs> and having Kaniki's tongue down her throat during every yeah. other frame for the rest of this movie. Sandy walks in and, and pants that literally uh, Olivia Newton-John had to be sewn into because the zipper broke. Yes. Um, and uh, and Danny. Wait, really? Uh, yeah. And Danny, for the second time in the movie, says, Sandy. <laughs> and uh and and that of course is when olivia newton john says tell me about it stud uh the the cigarette uh, uh-huh uh. when she has to like look over <laughs> and marty has mm-hmm. to be like do the thing do the thing mm-hmm. they used the second half of that weird can of film on the fun house <laughs> the shot where they get in the fun house and they both look at each other like this like mm-hmm. this can yeah, other can. Yeah, yeah. This is our. They special do this can. move. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. that weird. It doesn't look like the rest of the film again. Yeah. So I don't know if those were reshots or what. But anyway, this, this is another one where um, Steph was like, "Oh, I remember this as being like crazy choreography the whole time." But they're kind of just standing there on different fair rides. <laughs> like they, yeah. rock, they mostly just, just rock like back stand and in forth different locations while yes. they stand and there. like walk, rock back and forth. I mean, probably because she's and in then pants, like they had to triple to her. move his hips. Yeah. And, well, yeah. Andy, I sent you that that Instagram kid who makes me die laughing. Who he will copy, uh, like dance, like dances or sing. He'll just copy what the person's doing in a movie. But he did. He zeroed in on that that dance scene at the end of Greece, and he recreated just just separately each person in each because every single person in the background is going so fuck nuts (laughs) with the weirdest and they each have different ones and he zeroed in on each one and then like copied each one of them just alone in his living room he just would do the one out of con and taking those dances out of context looks insane it was i was like the choreographers were on meth (laughs) (laughs) because you had to tell one child to go do that one thing like it when you take each person out of that frame it is a fucking, it is, they're on bath salts. It is oh my God. <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes <laughs> mm-hmm. so everyone can see it. <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to do. And Steph, tell me, if, tell me what you think about this. I think we're, we're running out of time here. So I think that we should do plugs and then throw to the song, which I will put on later i think that's a great okay. idea um so uh so let's just talk real quick first of all you're you're gonna hear a song we're gonna talk all about it in a second and i'll just remind you that if you want an mp3 of that song you can get it from our patreon um at uh patreon.com slash dumb fun 
which supports not only this show, uh, but also 30 characters, which I do with Joe Fernandez and Matt Riggs, uh, as well as a show that I spent a lot of time working on that Mandy was a huge, huge part of. Someone even say the title character uh, called Fanny Falls Demon Hunter. Um, and there are 12 out of 13 episodes of that, of that out. And uh, it's a, a guys really. I worked so hard on this motherfucker. Please go listen and to it's it. It's really funny. It's a, a fake rewatch podcast where uh, me and Stephanie Weber play people who uh, were on a 90s show that was fake called Fanny Falls Demon Hunter. And now we're talking about it. And we have clips from the show <laughs> and we have people that were on the show. And Mandy oh, that's awesome. plays the, uh, the title Demon Hunter relocated from the South to Chicago, Illinois, and finds her destiny as a demon hunter. Um, oh, I want to. Where can I find this? It's a podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Fanny Falls Demon okay. Hunter. It's I'm really it down yeah. because because he has a different guest on every week to rewatch. So like it starts with Megan Stalter, and she's then the, oh my god, like each week guest. is a different. And she's great. Yeah. So I'm like I'm a, I'm a part of like the pre scripted television show. But then every weekend, and Stephanie Weber is at her best on this so show. Funny. Oh wow! Stephanie Weber is a little freak genius. Yeah, she's at her just, absolute like, best because gets she's to be fully on him. Oh, she's yeah. affecting this accent the entire time, <laughs> and every guest just gets a little more. Everybody, every guest is like a Chicago favorite comic, and each one gets a little more unhinged. Mm-hmm. As, the, oh, I love as the 12 this. episodes go along it's very it's it's very brilliantly done thank you one of, one of my favorite episodes is the beckett kenny episode beckett came on and was gonna play the, the craft services guy or something and uh, he was supposed to be like just beckett but then beckett realized like two minutes in that if he switched this guy to be toxically masculine it would be very funny and so hearing <laughs> beckett kenny play a toxic masculine oh. character Beckett, Beckett's version That's of masculinity. Great. Yeah. Just, a, uh, 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 just so funny. Oh. Um, so all I want to say is that the Dumb Fun Network is is uh is this, it's that, it's uh 30 characters, it's it's me and Steph's new show, The Completists, which is uh starting, I'm gonna say next week. We're gonna start uh talking about different film franchises, and the first one we're gonna talk about is the unsplit breakable glass franchise m night Shyamalan. that's right unbreakable split and glass we're gonna oh. talk about those three movies uh that's coming out next monday look for the completest wherever you get your podcast uh and thank you for listening to this show uh what about uh kristen what do you have coming up that you want to plug this will drop on monday this coming monday oh um well i'm doing a room at reggie's rock club in chicago on the 31st, it's a Wednesday, it starts at 8 o'clock, and tickets are available online. You can go to Instagram at Kristen Toomey and find the link in my bio. Great. And also, I'll be in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, Teehees, on the 26th Ooh. of this month. If you're out in Iowa, come check me out. I'm doing two shows on a Friday. Love it in Des Moines. Love being in Des Moines. I've had, yeah. I've had a lot of fun in Des Moines. Love it in Des Moines. I really do. I really do. Uh, Mandy, what do you got coming up? Um, I'm back on the road, so it'll be like uh, where I'm all over Indiana. It's like Noblesville, Indiana, Fort Wayne, uh, Lexington. Then I'm going up to South Bend, Indiana to do the Drop Club. Then, I, oh, Secrets, Cleveland, um, Lafayette, still Indiana. I don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> oh, sometimes. Oh, and I get to do, oh, um, Mars. 
booked me for that club, the new oh. co- the comedy the plex comedy plex. In I'm, Chicago. I'm, I'm there this weekend. Too too Are late to really? plug it, but I'm I'm headed there tonight. Yes, I'm there in April. Um, and he also put it on a weekend adjacent to a roast in case oh, great. that lined up. Well, which then is catch very... Mandy at the roast as well in, in Chicago in April. Uh, and maybe catch Mandy, uh, we haven't decided yet, uh, at the uh, February 2nd and 3rd roast uh, yeah. at the Planet of the Tapes in Louisville. I'll definitely be on that one. It's Roast of the Unroastables. Uh, so it's all the people who we've always said can't be roasted. Mr. Rogers, uh, uh, LeVar Burton, uh, Betty uh, White, Betty Dolly White. Parton. Yeah. All the most sacred people. We're putting them all in one show together. And that's it. Planet of the Tapes uh, in Louisville, the 2nd and 3rd of February, I believe. First first weekend of February. Uh, Steph? Uh, hey, it's a bummer, but there's a genocide happening. And what if you called people and had them? No, you can cut that out. <laughs> um let's not let's not nope that's staying uh, in and it ends the episode <laughs> uh, here's what i'll say and ho- hopefully i get all this out before my computer dies the song you're about to hear uh mandy and i played sandy and danny at roast the musical was this my accent yeah, yeah your accent's gonna be in there your australian accent um and so it's beautiful her australia we wrote uh we wrote these characters if i sort of sold it to her as like let's play them as like they've been divorced for years and and they hate each other, but then yeah, because their relationship is built built on nothing. Yeah. Their relationship is built on like a music video at yes. the beach. Right. Yes. But then teen hormones. <laughs> but then I sort of had this idea, and it's obviously it's sort of based on me and Mandy's <laughs> real relationship. Where like, what if they were exes, but they were just sort of okay with it, and and they're just sort of like, well, they had to learn to co-parent. Exactly, they had to learn to co-parent, <laughs> and and you know, and we 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 wrote them two children, Kyle <laughs> and Kendra. Great. Because Kendra sounds really good in a, a uh, Kendra. Kendra. In an Australian accent. You'll hear that in the song. So that's that's all you need to know to hear this song uh, is that we are playing Danny and Sandy 30 years after they have gotten married, divorced, and they have two kids together. Oh, and they're also both um, dating yoga instructors named Trevor. Um, and so you're going to hear the song that we wrote, which is the updated Grease Mega Mix. Uh, you're going to hear that right now on Musical the Movie the Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Kristen, Mandy, thank you guys so much for being here to talk about Grease. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. This is a dream come true. Take Very it away, fun. Mandy and Andy from the past. We thought our fields were undying, but it was toxic, a black hole all skanked up to catch my eye and it's objectified Down to the dodge, Ray, would you feel a shit? Keep talking, bro, keep talking. 
I traded it in both stuff will never escape from my kids. We got the stale luggage racket, yeah, you know that ass is dragging. I don't mean to be bragging, she's a real station wagon, town and country. Go, 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 go,